say that I brought one as Did well. You? well I, yeah I'd love one. I bought some hell beers which seemed oh Matt that's it, perfect. Which seemed <laughs> appropriate uh, considering the uh, that's very subject. appropriate I'd love to enjoy one of those with you and I brought a couple of oh, beers as well <laughs> but yeah let's do those yeah. I brought these these alcohol free ones. Oh nice. Yeah. Have you tried this? I, I've tried some Brooklyn lager but not um, not that one. The alcohol free was so much better than I could imagine. It tastes wonderful, but yeah, and I've got a bottle of it here. Cool. Yeah, I did, 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 did. Oh, Matt, <laughs> we've thought of everything. Yeah, we We'd be good camping together. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, a friend of mine, um, there you go. Cheers. A friend of mine has just co-opened a bottle shop on Cowley Road with a, with a friend of his. Yeah. So selling craft beers and records. Like they, they started selling on Thursday. That's a great uh, idea. Yeah, and so I had a look through his uh, a bit conspicuous drinking, <laughs> drinking beer. Um, Where about is the shop? So it's on Cowley Road. Um, it is off, kind of opposite. Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Big Society used to be the elm tree. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of opposite there. A little place. It's called Big Scary Monsters Social Club. That's fantastic. Yeah. Did that used to be 420 Skate? Mm, I don't think next so. Next to the French uh, pancake place. No, it's a little bit further down. They're kind of recessed back from back from the road a little bit more than the other ones. So you go past. I think it's George and Davis, like the ice cream bagel place. Mm. With a bus stop right outside, and then there's a bento place, and then the next few are set back slightly, and um, they've got a little seating area out the front. Yeah, they opened on um, Thursday. Not 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 a great time to open a business, but I thought I'd have a look. And like this was the second one on the list was Hell Hell Lager, so I thought. Um, so oh, what a great should label. Have opened, should have opened your one, shouldn't I? It's a German beer, yeah. Bavarian brewing tradition and heritage. Hell das Blauer. The blue, I think. 700 years. Yeah. That's wonderful, man. Since Thank 1308, you. that's right. I'll keep Cheers. the lid. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> mm. That's really nice. That is lovely. Well done. <laughs> and are they doing the sales online at the moment yeah so they're doing click and collect yeah um, they and when they set up the website they couldn't figure out how to switch off the delivery option so they were trying to tell everyone don't order delivery because we can't do it and they explained it to someone and then he immediately went <laughs> ordered for delivery what are you doing so yeah because i ride past there on my way home from work so we ordered some, ordered some beers and i picked them up on my way home last night it's quite nice ordering something online and yeah, then arriving yeah. and picking up your package. Yeah. That's fantastic. And records, how, how are they stocked with those? Pretty well, I think. Uh, yeah, they've spent the last few months um, sort of building up you know, building up their, their stock levels. Like they're, they're both into records a lot, so they've spent, you know, they've spent months sort of I'm gonna check up that this out. collection. Yeah, it's worth it, yeah. Types of craft beer. Um, so yeah, it looks like it looks like a good a good venture. And are they kitting it out nice for when it yeah, does open? Done, yeah. So um, I work with Lee, and he um, he he would stay after work and break apart wooden pallets that deliveries come in on, and then collect all this wood and then take it back to the shop. And his friend, who's a carpenter, built uh, built a countertop and uh, and shelving and all that. too much about it but it was it's been released this week 
and I'd love to be able to buy from truck records yeah. or from a new place. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, it's nice to yeah, be able to help out some Oh, cool. I'll, I'll be on that. And then that's another record shop in Oxford. Yeah. We've got two now. Yeah. We used to have Virgin Megastore <laughs> and HMV on Cornwall. Yeah. Did you ever go to Polar Bear? I did, yes. Yeah. was an era, wasn't it, of mainly CDs then, and once, now, yeah, now vinyl are there. That's fantastic. I'm glad I bought my coat. Yeah. Do you see Port Meadows flooded? Yeah. Or oh, in, in a part of it. It's such a huge meadow. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It doesn't take much to flood. It hasn't been that much rain, has no. it? Could have been rain upriver. Yeah, I suppose so. Down. I suppose so. Yeah. There's a kite, one of those big kites, not the bird, the oh. <laughs> stunt kite thing, the orange and yellow, straight down. You see, is it above the water? Oh yeah, yeah, I see it. I see it. How is your eyesight? <laughs> it's funny. I think it's quite good. Um, but then, how do I know compared to everyone else? I've never had my eyes tested. I think it's pretty decent. Um, you know, I can read. I can read small writing at a reasonable distance, and so I think it's generally pretty good. But having never had them tested, <laughs> I could be I could be walking around in a fog and, and, and not even <laughs> not even realise. How's yours? I think it's okay. I've got an eye test book for next week. I haven't had one in three years. Right. Last time I went, he said my eyes were fine. Right. We'll see what happens. But I have noticed today when I put my bag down and then I looked up. And my eyes took a moment to adjust to the right. long distance, so I'm wondering if that's a sign. But Greg, did you ever meet Greg? The, my friend, he's the ophthalmologist. I don't think so. No, no, I didn't. No, he's the one who, who fixed your smoking monkey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He sat for like an hour with these tiny tweezers <laughs> and he fixed that. Good memory. He, he said that eyes are at a stage in evolution, I hope I get this right, where they are useful or they, they're good for 40 years at least right. and then there's nothing stopping it from aging. They, they will right. age and deteriorate. Okay. So it's quite unusual for us at our age to not have glasses. At our advanced age. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even that old. <laughs> I keep thinking like 40 isn't, isn't a great 43. No, it's, it's not that old. It's not that old. It doesn't, it doesn't feel that old when you are that old. You know, I've kind of, uh, you know, you realise as you get older, like how old old is. And so when you think about 50, I think 50's not really that old. Whereas when I was a kid, that was, that was pretty old. Yeah, I remember when my mum was 36 and we were watching Wimbledon and Jimmy Connors was playing and he was 36. And I used to think, oh gosh, that's old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was <laughs> reading, uh, yeah, I saw something about how you know, you're 40 and you think you're relatively young and in good shape. And then, uh, you know, you see some sporting event and you say, oh, here comes so-and-so. He's 32 years old. He's the <laughs> oldest player. <laughs> oldest player in the game. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and Roger Federer is, he's close to 40 now, I think. Right. And he, he's unusual. And... Rafael Nadal is getting on, but they're unusual to stay at the top of their game at that age. You, we get, you know, people are getting, people are getting healthier and stronger. I think you know, we learn more. We are learning more about how to look after our bodies and how, you know how to exercise and, and how to eat well. I saw a little video clip today of the winner of uh, a gymnastics event in the fifties played side by side with. Uh, like a modern day gymnastic event and um, the first but it was the uh, it was like I think they call it the horse no way it's the, they, they spring off the board and they sort of vault over a horse and so she did a kind of sideways uh, hand plant and that was it it was just this she, she, she ran, ran down the, uh, the, the runner bounced off the board a little sideways cartwheel somersault type of thing and that was it and, and that was enough to win gold whereas side by side with one from you know, one day she, this, this girl had done you know, two backflips before she reached the springboard 
and then you know two or three somersaults with twists and so yeah you know, we, <laughs> we're, we're we're coping with old age better i think and we're we are advancing you know? yeah and there's more inclusion i feel it's getting better where we don't see older people as not being able to do no. as much i'm trying to think of an example i mean David Attenborough, for example, mm. like, he, he, is, he, is he in his 90s? He must be, I think, yeah. And he's still brilliant, and yeah. even, like, physically, you're right, I think people are not feeling there's a much of a ceiling anymore. You no. can achieve whatever you want to achieve. Obviously, you, you are constrained because your knees start giving yeah, in, yeah. and you, you take longer to catch your breath So Matt, we um, came up here into Whiteham Woods to have a chat about something very special and I know it's special to you because yeah. you've spoken about it before right. in our superhero comic books episode you've mentioned right. this thing that, yeah. that I've got here and I know it's something really special to you and you lent it to me a few weeks ago or maybe even a month or yeah, more something ago. like that along with an, another couple of graphic novel books and I'm a novice to graphic novel books and I feel I need to give it a go as with comics I'm starting to read more since having that chat with you about superhero comic books and this one is called Hellboy yeah. and you lent it to me and eventually I read it and the idea was to come up here and talk about something that I bring Yeah unprepared and we have a chat and then I decided that I'd, I'd want to tell you I'd want to give you the heads up that I'd love to bring your comic book or your graphic novel yeah. Hellboy and you seem pleased with that you were pleased yeah. with that and now I've brought it I've got it here to return to you it's in very much bag and I'm holding the comic book here I keep saying comic book that's not right is it I would call it a graphic novel it's a it's a collection of comic this was this was published as four issues and it's been collected into into one book so you could call it a comic book that's that's fair or a graphic novel okay i'll <laughs> call it a graphic novel this one is an a4 slightly smaller than a4 it looks like the american style that's right yeah size paper yeah it's got a beautiful matte finish cover the logo of hellboy on the front is yellow and red and it's perfect i love the the style of the logo and then of course the cover picture of this creature that i hope you're going to explain more yeah. about he's called hellboy he's on the front and there's some dragons there's a one two three four five six headed dragon or is it seven is that a shadow yeah. that's oh, not yes i think with the glowing eye it must be another oh, head wow okay so we've got seven heads there and this magnificent creature called Hellboy with a trench coat on and a massive hand. He's, what is that hand? It's, uh, it, they call it the right hand of doom. It's, uh, it's a big sort of stone, it's almost like a gauntlet I suppose, but it's attached to, it's part of it. Uh, but it's not flesh, it's made of stone. It's, it's, um, it's an important aspect of him. It's his um, weapon, isn't it? it? Yes, it is. It is a weapon of sorts. It's. Um, they talk about it being a key as well, in um, in the comics. Um, but well, I'll, yeah. A key to. Well, his. I suppose um, his destiny supposedly is uh, is that he's supposed to bring about Armageddon. He's supposed to usher in the end of the world and uh, and this stone hand of his is, is some sort of key that would that would help him to do that uh, but it's also been a big stone hand it's good for punching things in the face as well yeah Matt the, the book itself I, I read it cover to cover and there's a lovely introduction piece yeah with some frogs 
yeah. on the front and the significance of frogs is they bring us of death. There's yeah, a story about yeah. them in here. Do you know the story? I, I've got to be honest, so I haven't read it for, I haven't read this one for, for a few years and uh, so because, uh, because I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't read it to prepare for this because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit behind but yeah they are you know they're, they're sometimes seen as uh, sort of forebringers if that's a word of, uh, of doom well, that, that's, that's right and this is something in the book so this graphic novel I called it a book graphic novel is called Seed of Destruction and in a minute I'd love to hear how it fits in with the whole body of work right. uh, Mike Mignola yeah so I've always pronounced it Mike Mignola but I think it might be Mignola something like that I think it might I think it's French or um, something like that but I, I always call it Mignola or Mignola okay and John Byrne yeah and again I've got so many questions in a minute I'd love to hear more about these two and the writing and the drawing and so yeah. on but something that caught my eye and luckily I had the graphic novel with me so I could prepare and I right. did actually think oh should I let Matt have it back in preparation <laughs> and I thought nah we'll just wing it but I'd love to share that story about the frogs yeah and please it says frogs like snakes scorpions ravens and black cats are traditionally considered harbingers of doom mm. witnessed by the following tale an African myth about a frog. On a day when little water was to be found, man spent a while in thought and realized that he might one day die, never to rise again. Man sent dog to God to ask that he might come back to life again, like the flowering plant after death. Dog went off and followed his nose toward God. He was soon distracted by the smell of soup and followed his hunger toward the source. Leaning close to watch it boil, Dog was content and forgot his mission. Seeing that Dog was lost, Frog took it upon himself to go to God and tell him that the man did not want to live again. I said the man, that man did not want to live again. If man were to be reborn, thought Frog, he would soon muddy the rivers and destroy the birthplaces of frogs. Dog finally arrived to tell God man's message. Leaning low, he crooned man's need for rebirth in the song of his howl. God was touched by the devotion of dog for man, but God granted the frog's wish because he got there first. It's a, it's a good story. It's a great yeah, story. It's I, I hope I did it justice in uh, yeah, reading. I'm, I'm going to be careful with punctuation and not adding in <laughs> the randomly. <laughs> that definitely caught my attention and and the 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 novel overall is high energy i would say yeah, lots yeah. of action and while reading it at one point it felt like i was watching a film i got really so into it that i had that flow like i was sitting back watching yeah and i started to get sleepy like i do when i watch <laughs> films not because it was boring i suppose because it was late in the evening and when I watch something that I'm enjoying and it's got that flow, I tend to relax yeah. and, and want to nod off. Yeah, where to start? So, I th so this came out in 1994, I think, and I'd been reading comics for a couple of years. Then me and my and my cousin Tony, um, and we'd been reading lots of image comics and Marvel comics and uh, we had their standard superhero comics have a kind of formula almost to them and you get used to the visuals and the kind of the way the stories are written and there's a you know there's a kind of a language that that um, sort of crosses over all of them and then um, I was round. We were round at his house reading comics one day, and and he showed me this that he that he'd bought, Seed of Destruction, um, and and I had a look through it, and and I 
and I didn't get it to begin with because it was so different from from the comics that I was reading at the time. Uh, like I didn't I didn't understand the artwork because it was so different from how superhero comics were drawn and the colours were were different. Uh, but I but I gave it a go and and as I got further through it I I just you know I got sort of lost in it as well. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know where to begin. Like Hell, so Hellboy is um, he <laughs> distracted by the people. Walking We've got by. people walking past. Yeah. It's such a lovely place to yeah. walk. I'm not surprised. But I'm I'm in a better position than you because I'm sitting with my back to the path, <laughs> yeah. so I can't see anyone. I'm waiting to see if you're going to be like watching oh, the people walk walking. By. Yeah. I wonder what they think when I they see us yeah. because. To me, we're having a normal conversation. However, there's always that element of acting because yeah, you've got a microphone. Right, a microphone there. It's like, what are they doing? They yeah. might, they might not even wonder what's going on, or they might look at us and think they're having a lovely conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it was very, it was very different from from the comics I've been reading, um, and I, I stuck with it and I really enjoyed it. And there was, I guess, there's a few, there's a few elements to, to why I enjoyed it. First of all, he's a really, you know, he's a he's a brilliant character. Um, I, but I think for me, the it's Mike Manola's art is is the is the key is the key to, to my enjoyment of this. You know, I was I was a, a you know a keen amateur artist. We used to, you know, Tony and I, we used to draw comics, and we were copying all our favourite artists. And it was a time where there was a lot of detail, a lot of detail, lots of cross hatching and fine details um, going into going into people's artwork. And Mike Mignola, people describe his work as being um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> My mind's gone blank. Um, it's it seems simple. It seems more simple than it is. He uses you know, fewer fewer lines, fewer details than, than other people, but, but every single every single mark he makes on the paper is is deliberate, and it's 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 just it's just enough. Uh, you know, there is no extra stuff, uh, and so you, you know, if you you flick through it and you'll see pa you know, panels where where there, there's almost no de there's almost no detail, or there are great big swathes of black. Um, and yeah, I kind of I, I fell in love with uh, with his with his art with his art style, um, and I think he, he became uh, quite a big influence on my own style. I started to to learn more more from it that you know less is more quite often, and he didn't have to pack every picture with tons and tons of detail, you know. With, the things that you didn't draw and the things that you didn't say were just as important as what you as what you did show. And yeah, he's a he's a an absolute master of that. You know, I learned more about how uh, how, how important a silhouette is, how important negative space is. Um, and yeah, he's been he's been a big a big influence on me. The comics I was reading, were, to be a professional comic book artist, you've got to be good. Uh, you know, to get work with, from the, with a publisher, and the and a lot of the comics I was reading were like good artists, but but Mike Mignola is a great artist, and that's an opinion held by everyone in the comic book industry. I think he's a real artist's artist, um, and you know everyone everyone really loves and, and appreciates uh, what he does. I see he's used lots of shadows, lots yeah. of silhouettes, lots of negative space yeah. and I find it really interesting how artists use that technique where less is more and authors for example, Cormac McCarthy, uh, even Hunter S. Thompson I would say would write and F. Scott Fitzgerald although in lots of detail in The Great Gatsby they leave words out that aren't necessary. Yeah. George Orwell is another one right. where there's, a, there's complexity in the simplicity yeah. that yeah. allows the reader or the, 
the person watching to fill in those gaps themselves and to create something in those spaces. Well, although that's how I think of it. Yeah, works in my, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's yeah. I think it was yeah. So I brought I brought a few more if you want to you know to have a oh, wow, flick, Matt, so flick through. Got so I've got I've got five here, but this is just a small selection of his of his work. Um, yeah, after I'd read uh, after I'd read my cousin's copy, I I I can't remember when I bought started to buy it for myself. You know, the first one came out in '94, and he started to uh, Mike Minola started to try to put out more stories but uh, they were often sort of backup features or they'd be a couple of pages in some other comic or some other publication uh, and then eventually he collected to, them together so it wasn't until maybe 97, 98 that he brought out the next one and then a couple of years later he'd bring out another one. So these these were books that came out uh, from 94 is when they began up to the early 2000s um, and so I and so every time I saw one, I would buy it and and just read it cover to cover over and over again, getting lost lost in this artwork, um, which I think you know, yeah, always trying to trying to learn from it, uh, trying to get a greater understanding of how I could how I could improve by uh, by seeing how he drew. And uh, another thing, I suppose, outside of the artwork is is the stories as well. So. Um, in the first, in the first comic, uh, I guess it starts with. Uh, you've read it more recently than I have. I think it starts with um, some Nazi scientists uh, trying to summon a demon to, uh, it's to help Hitler's war effort or to bring about the end of the world or something like that. Uh, with Rasputin, kind of leading. Um, leading the project and meanwhile this, so this I think takes part takes place in Scotland like in the Hebrides or somewhere like that and meanwhile is somewhere in England there's um, there's a group of allied scientists who have been brought to a to a church where there where a psychic has told them something terrible is about to happen and so while this uh, while this Nazi plot is taking place uh, they are successful to a degree they do summon something but it's not I don't think it's, it's not what they intended to summon and it doesn't appear where they intended it to appear so they're uh, on some Scottish island meanwhile in uh, I think it's East Bromwich uh, there's this flash of light and this tiny demon boy uh, appears on the floor of this this um, derelict church and uh, that's his, his first appearance. He's, uh, he's sort of two, he looks like he's two or three years old. Yeah. He's got this massive stone hand, he's got horns and a tail, he's bright red, and nobody knows what to make of it. And um, so where he should have fallen into the hands of the Nazis and be used to bring about the end of the world, he instead is, he's taken back to America, I think he's raised on a on an army base in Nevada or somewhere by um, by a uh, by Professor Broom, who's a professor of uh, the paranormal. And so instead of being raised evil and to bring around the end of the world, he's raised as a normal kid to uh, um, and then goes on to to, to do good yeah. in the world rather than. Uh, fulfilling this destiny that supposedly he's, uh, he's supposed to have. And that fascinated me too because when you look at the cover and the title Hellboy you think he's a bad dude, Yeah, he's yeah. bad and looking at him he's bad but when you get to read it and see the expressions that mm. Mike Bignola uses on him he becomes so likeable and lovely He's, he's just a regular guy isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's just been raised as a, as a normal as a normal guy, despite being, I don't know how tall he is, he's six and a half feet tall or something, he's got, he's got horns which he, uh, which he files down because he's embarrassed about them, <laughs> but there's not much he can do about the fact that he's bright red and he's got a massive tail. Um, but those horns are another thing that 
attracted me to this yeah. character because the way he's drawn you don't see the full horn because as you said he, he files them down yeah. but where they're located on his head are right near the front and they're big round marks where the horn yeah. was filed off and if the horns were full, which I always wanted to see, and you see it when he's tiny. Yes, uh, yeah, you'll see it in, in, in other ones. But oh. I'll, find, I'll find it while you're... And he, and yeah, that's what I want to imagine is those horns. And I guess if he doesn't file them, they'll eventually grow. Yeah. That, that's why he keeps filing them. That's right, yeah. So he, yeah, he's, he's, it's part of him thumbing his nose at his, at his supposed destiny. You know, he's it. It, um, it comes up in um, in a in a short story. There's a there's a short story called The Chained Coffin, where he learns a bit about his. He he's, he goes back to to London um, to this church where he first appeared uh, because he's been contacted by a psychic who, who says that there's something strange going on there. He it, I think in a dream he sees this. This event that happened hundreds of years ago, where this um, uh, a, uh, a witch, I, I suppose she was, is kind of trying to repent on her deathbed, um, and, uh, and this demon comes to claim her, and he's he's viewing this um, he's viewing this this scene that happened hundreds of years ago, and uh, the demon sa says that. Uh, this witch is is gonna is going to bear another son. He's going to bear a son, and it, it's his son. And then this kind of apparition turns around and looks at him, looks directly at him, and says, "My favourite son." And he realises that that he's viewing what could possibly be his parents, a demon and a witch. Uh, and and I think um, I think his I think his his horns grow back uh, during this during this fight. <laughs> I can't find it now. It's too. Uh, it's too windy to to flick through. We may find it at some point. Yeah. Uh, here See? we go. Oh. Yeah. So this is. So no. we're sort of seeing this demon here. Oh, perhaps it's not this one. Oh, but I you see can the kind horns of on see, that demon. You can kind of see how how he, how he might look. Yeah. He's great big. They are situated near the front, and they yeah, are big, big, and they curl. Curled horns. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so this, yeah, so that's one aspect of this. This comic is, it's him constantly fighting against his uh, what is supposedly his um, his destiny, his destiny to to bring about the end of the world, and you know he doesn't want any part of it. You've got a further connection with this cowboy and with the artist. Yes, I do. I very fortunately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, oh, have you got the? Sorry, have you got the page? Yes. Yeah, so there we go. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, during some. And he's got his hands on yeah, there, and he so says, "It's my goddamn life. I'll do what I want with it." Oh, I thought he was going to say something about the horns. Yeah. But he's uh, he's and holding he up, them. Yeah. He snap, snaps them off. Ah, crack. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, a, a treasured possession of mine. Um, when you when you talked with Han about um, about Night of the Living Dead, I think she showed you some of the knitted figures she'd made. Is that? Yeah, right? she yeah, did. You got the some pictures on your. Um, yeah, on your on your Instagram. So those were those were ones that she'd made early on, and she made she made lots of different knitted figures. She was making characters from films. Um, posting them up on a on a blog, and they get you know lots of uh, like they'd be picked up by the blogs, and um, and lots of people really liked them. And then one day she said, "Oh, I think about maybe making, you know, I might make a superhero." And she asked me if I could draw some little models. So she was knitting these little, they're just little, quite simply shaped doll figures, only about six inches tall. Um, and so I drew some. Uh, some sort of superhero versions of her just to show how you know, I drew a Spider-Man so she could see how you know, the red and the blue of his of his costume is kind of blocked out and you know how, how it's laid out on the character and I think I did a Superman to show things like you know how his how his cape attaches to his 
costume. I probably did something like the Hulk. I thought that's a nice easy one. I thought, uh, you know, it, I don't know if he's necessarily a superhero exactly, but I, you know, I really like Hellboy. I'll draw a little, um, I'll draw a little model of Hellboy for her. Uh, and she really liked it. And knowing that I really liked Hellboy, she uh, she decided to 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 knit that. And it turned out brilliantly. You know, he, he had his little you know his little horn stumps, and she used two little orange beads for his for his eyes. And he had a trench coat and his tail. And it turned out brilliantly. And she posted pictures of it, and it it got picked up by by a few popular blogs you know science fiction blogs and and comic ones and that sort of thing and it got seen by lots of people and she ended up selling it she you know she would make these figures and sell them and then a month or two later she got an email from Christine Mignola Mike Mignola's wife and she said oh um, me and Mike saw this saw, saw the figure you made and we thought it was you know, we thought it was brilliant I've just got to check that you're not mass producing them first of all because of you know copyright or trademark issues and, and um, said no they're just you know they're just one-offs that I make because I like the um, you know because I like the, the subject matter and so Christine said um, if it's still available we'd you know we'd love to have it Mike would love to have it for his collection uh, but she said oh, you know I'm sorry I've sold it already but um, but I'd be happy to make another one and so they were emailing back and forth and she said oh we'd be happy you know we'd be happy to pay for it um and then genius that she is she said well instead of payment instead of money maybe mike would like to trade some artwork <laughs> Excellent uh, and, idea. <laughs> and so she made a new uh she knitted a new hellboy sent him off to uh to america and uh, this was in 2007 and so Christmas morning 2007 I opened up this uh, this this parcel and inside was was some original artwork from from my hero you know my favorite artist Mike Mignola Mike, not even know, prints hand not, his hand, hand. hand yeah hand drawn and brought it along with me I'm gonna hold on tight so the wind doesn't <sighs> carry it away so yeah so I've got an original um, that... Mike Mignola Hellboy inked drawing it's which incredible. I love. You, know, you can see, you know, if you look close at it, you can see the pencil marks you know, where, he, where he rubbed out the original sketch. You can see the the pen. You know, he's, he's inked over it with uh, with a fine line pen. I think he uses microns or something like that. Uh, and then where he's filled in the blacks, you know, he's just used. You know, this is pro this might be a felt tip marker here, or you know, and then over here this could be um, this might be like a brush and ink. And yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of my most tr treasured possessions. I can see uh, why. It, yeah, it's incredible. And how far away did they send this from? So I'm not sure where he lives. Actually, somewhere in in America. I don't know exactly where where he lives. But it but came across the Atlantic. Yeah, and so Hans uh, knitted figure is living high up on. Uh, like his bookshelf somewhere apparently his his cat took a liking to it and so we had to get it put away high up how um, old is he now oh gosh i don't know he must be he must be in his late 50s probably uh i would guess um yeah some, something like that you know and he's he's still he's still working um yeah because still... in, in the 90s he was he was doing these graphic novels here yeah and around that time was the whole grunge thing. Yeah. And I wonder if that had an influence quite possibly on the art at the time. Yeah. Certainly the nineties must have been a special decade. Well I always think it is because films from the nineties are always interesting and yeah. comics. It's, from it's the funny 90s. you should mention that actually because just before just before um, he did Hellboy, he'd been working in, in comics in I guess I guess in the eighties, the late eighties, in superhero comics. And his style was quite different then. He was, it was more sort of mainstream superhero style. But you could see him trying to to, to bust out of that. And he did um, he did a, a Batman story where his where he, where the style that he uses in Hellboy really came really came through. You know, you could you could take Batman out of that story. It, it takes place in a graveyard, which is like a, a favourite setting of his. He's a very 
gothic style artist you know you could take batman out of that story and put hellboy in there and, and it would still work perfectly well but in the early 90s he was i can't remember exactly what his role was he was a kind of an artistic advisor on uh on the dracula movie bram stoker's dracula oh god who was it who directed it i can't remember who it was francis ford coppola i have no idea but he, so he was an art an art advisor on that and um and, he pub and they published a comic based on the movie um, and Mike Nola drew that as well. Oh, and, and you've you got see, the comics, yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of issues. These are reprints that I picked up from a second-hand bookshop somewhere. Um, but you can see, you know, this is before Hellboy came out, but you can see the style is still there. Oh, straight the away, you clicked that open. That, yeah, the, you know, the, the great blocks of black, the, uh, you know, blocks of just plain of just plain color and this minimalist style um, that is still they're still somehow packed with detail I'll recognize my Vignola yeah. work from a mile away now yeah this is I've only Take seen up. Hellboy but yeah. now you're showing me this and you and it looks the same all you'd need yes. to do is insert yeah. Hellboy and you'd have yeah this is this is this is his, this is his favorite kind of kind of scene you know, he loves he loves graveyards and old chapels and castles and all these sort of old gothic places and that you know that's where his work really really shines um, so it was it was perfect it was perfect for him i've got you know, i've got another book of his uh it's called the art of hellboy and it's just a collection of of his artwork um, that's like the coffee table exactly that's exactly what it is yeah it's got a nice sort of fabric cover and yeah. it's just full of nice artwork and uh, good you know, quality paper yeah and you know unseen sketches and things oh there's some shading there that looks yeah. like what you've got on that original yeah, that's piece right. yeah is, these, are, these, are, these are thumb you know there's a page here of thumbnails that would have been uh him sort of planning out the cover for an issue of the comic and he's just, you know, he's just blocking in areas of black and getting the, um, and sort of getting the layout of the pages right. Um, so he sort of goes, he goes beyond just comic book art in, into a very illustrative style, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I always find my, I, I, <laughs> I always find I'm lacking in ability to, uh, to sort of just do his work justice. Uh, in describing it but I don't, I, I don't have the art education to to sort of uh, to really convey uh, sort of how good it is Matt you've, you have done just <laughs> that I don't think you realise it but every episode I do I feel oh I don't know if I'm doing this item justice yeah. I don't know like Mad Magazines I did an mm. episode of that and I wanted to do it justice so much so Thundercats I wanted to do the same thing I listen back to them and I make the odd mistake but then I'm thinking to capture someone's joy is more special in my opinion than capturing something that someone's saying from a very perfectionist right. boring point of view I'm not saying yeah. perfection is always boring but I would go for joy yeah. and the odd blunder. <laughs> I'm not saying you made any of them, but you know what I mean. I yeah. can I can sense the joy in in the words you're using, the way you're speaking, and I, I have the advantage of being able to look at you, so I can see the <laughs> smile on your face. And at one point, the sun came through from the west between those trees, and it was a beautiful yellow <laughs> light on your face. And I was staring at you, and I didn't want to say anything, but I, I knew you were feeling that warmth, and I, I feel the warmth. That you have for these books so much so in this discussion i was a bit transfixed on the 90s because i'm thinking okay if he's about 50 mm. then he's about the age that kurt cobain would have been or 55 yeah. around yeah, there I suppose so yeah eddie vedder might be. be around his 50s somewhere so he was at his prime hmm. like 18 19 maybe in the 90s yeah well no older than that older maybe than 20s. He would have been in his 20s yeah where he was at his prime and it's the whole vibe caught him at the right time this is i'm trying to make a theory about <laughs> 90s art and i'm thinking maybe i enjoy this so much because i enjoy 90s art and grunge music and all that and maybe some elements of that have come yeah. into the book somehow
I found a fish called a Hellboy fish. Really? Wow. And this it is. Must have been named after him. I'm going to show you the picture which okay. I've printed off today. I went with Joe, Ralph, and Anya to a fish shop, an aquarium. It's called mm -hmm. Maidenhead Aquatics. I'm not plugging a, <laughs> a product here. It's like Wayne's World where they have to like, <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. bow to any sponsors and then he holds up like a Pepsi and... <laughs> we went to the shop to have a look at the fish. I really like fish. We've got some goldfish in the pond outside. Yeah. It always amazes me how they survive through winter when mm. there's ice on the top of the pond, but they do. We went in there and the shopkeeper was showing us the different fish because I'm after a small tropical fish tank and I, I want to keep tiny neon tetras. Oh yeah, I love those. Just a few of them, I don't want a lot. And the the shopkeeper said, oh this this is called a hellboy, that might go nicely in a small tank, one or two of them. And instantly I, I was like, <laughs> hellboy, because I knew we were going to be talking about this. And I thought I'd get a picture for you yeah. and you can see that's interesting. Is it the red? Do you think it's the red color that? Is it the, maybe the black eye? Maybe because the the black eye is so big and round, it looks like the, those mm. round things where the horn must come out of. Yeah, yeah. But the color, and I suppose the flow of the fins. I don't know. So, I mean, if they hadn't have called it a Hellboy, I wouldn't have thought. Maybe I would have thought of Hellboy. I'm not sure. The color is really nice. It's almost like a Siamese fighting fish mm. with some fanned out fins. But there you go, there's a Hellboy <laughs> fish if you ever want one of those. And then let's see what else I've brought here. Oh, I may as well. I've, I've got it here now. We can, we can carry on after <laughs> we've done that. So I've made a song. Ah. And it's a, it's a Hellboy song. It's called Hellboy. I've used odd few words from the book you've yeah. lent me not odd few words I've used all of them I've cut some out and I've tried to order them and made a song out of yeah. some of it so I'm gonna take out my harmonica and there's a, a shaker here which is the one I gave Salvador in the yeah, UFOs uh, one so feel free to, to chip in with the, the chicken shake give it a shake see how, how... that very sounds nice very doesn't it yeah, this this would be funny if people walk past <laughs> now wouldn't it but actually it would be like an audience, can you imagine? They would stand yeah, they just, there just in stop. shock. <laughs> Maybe they'd start throwing money at us. Encore. <laughs> I'm not actually sure how the tune is going to go. Okay. We'll, it's, I've only practiced it once in front of the kids, but it could change because Ralph was listening to Foo Fighters at the ah, time. Right. And then I asked him to if he could turn it off so I could sing the song. And I must have picked up something from there because you, you copy things. Yeah, but we'll see yeah. how this goes. Let's do it. I have made one holy. Shoot it. <laughs> Kill it. It looks dangerous to me. A demon come from hell. Like a little boy. Hellboy. Hellboy. Owie! I sometimes get angry and do stupid things Charging headlong into a pitch black room I'm tougher and stronger than you But I can't see any better in the dark Oof! <laughs> Brilliant. That would make an excellent theme tune, I think, to <laughs> Well, to I mean, a... <laughs> it needs a tune. That's what it needs. It's got the words, but I, I couldn't seem to weave in like a, a flow. I, I need to work at it more. Maybe yeah. I'll ask Rog to have a look. Yeah. And he can put some music to it. But there, there's some Hellboy lyrics for us all. And Matt, I don't think I bought any more surprises other than a couple for for the end. But I don't know if we finished talking about know. Hellboy. I don't know if you can ever finish. That's no. the, that's the problem. I did one thing that I didn't mention as well was that yeah. uh, another reason I like it is that is that there's a lot of folklore 
I've always been a I enjoyed your chat with uh, with Salvador um, about UFOs and that sort of thing because I've, I've always been a fan of folklore and myths and monsters and those feature really heavily I should mention in these books as well Mike Minola takes um, takes this folk these folklore stories from all over the world and uh, and sort of knits them all together into this you know in, into his world uh, and that's another thing that I really enjoy about it you know I you know, folks folk stories tell you a lot about um, about how people used to think and, uh, and and they're used to really good effect in these in these books as well which is another th you know it's just another layer to them another thing that makes them really enjoyable to me so I, yeah I wanted to make sure that I, uh, that I mentioned that as I'm well. so glad you did that was very <laughs> special it was like Salvador at the end of our episode we did together he, he got to the point where you just got mm. to now where it was such a lovely conclusion to it and very heartfelt very lovely but I'm so glad you have this enthusiasm about things as much as I do and it's just so exciting and refreshing to see. Thank you for introducing me to Hellboy. It's a pleasure. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I loved it so much and I'm going to maybe well, please, borrow please, another yeah, one. Yeah, please do. Yeah, you know, I've got I've got more there there's so much more. Um, I only this is really the, the only the beginning of the story but I think having gone back and looked at it since knowing you wanted to talk about it uh, I've been kind of thinking that I need to kind of hop back on and, uh, and get myself up to speed with what's going on so um, it's a new my, world yeah I think my Christmas list might have a few Hellboy books on it <laughs> cool, cool we are talking about I, would, I wanted to say superheroes, but as you said earlier in the episode, he's not really a superhero, and I got that. Yeah, not in the he, typical sense. Yeah, but he is kind of... Yeah. He's got superpowers, mm. he's, he's a massive character. And I was reading this book with Ralph the other oh, night, yeah. and Joe actually read it with him before, and I didn't realize he had it, and then he gave it to me again to say oh daddy can you read something out of it at oh, bedtime right. he can read but yeah. he likes being read to yeah same as my kids and I came across this story here it's a, the worst case scenario survival handbook right and on the cover it says how to escape from quicksand wrestle an alligator break down a door land a plane so they all these survival things that most of the time you won't need I mean no. how are you going to ever have to land a plane <laughs> yeah. but it's nice to know yeah and the one that struck me as something that would happen in a superhero film or in a comic or in a graphic novel would be these action scenes for example if someone jumps off a roof mm. into a dumpster or they <laughs> land on a canopy of one of the shops it on happens the ground more often level. than you'd think doesn't it <laughs> so there's a section in here how to jump from a building into a dumpster excellent and i thought i'd share that yeah, with everyone just in case <laughs> anyone needs to know but the imagery I had in my head of this body falling down, and we've all seen it on films before, was very dramatic and it, it looked like pictures in a comic book to me while yeah. I was thinking about this. So the first step you do is you jump straight down. If you leap off and away from the building at an angle, your traje trajectory will make you miss the dumpster. Resist your natural tendency to push off. Right. So you probably have to drop straight drop down. Drop straight, straight down, yeah. But then while you're moving through the air, you need to tuck your head and bring your legs round. So as you're going down, you tuck your head a bit forward and your legs come up. So you're almost trying to do a backward somersault. Right. And you've got to get your body so your back is facing the ground and your legs up. Right. And then when you get to that point, you've got to try straighten before you hit the dumpster. Yeah. And as you hit it, your body will naturally bend in on itself. Right. So your legs will shoot up again. That's why you shouldn't try and jump face first because when you land, your body, your, oh, your back right. and your legs will flick up and it will, you could break your back. Right. So you've got to go down and try and land flat on your back. And it also says here that you need to make sure that you you aim for a big box or something in the right. middle of the dumpster yeah. if it's in the middle 
you've got to find the most padded place where there's lots of rubbish. It says here the dumpster may be filled with bricks or other unfriendly oh, materials. It is entirely possible to survive a high fall, five stories or more, into a dumpster provided it is filled with the right type of trash. Cardboard right. boxes are mm -hmm. best and you need to land correctly. Yeah. It's heroic, isn't it? <laughs> Imagine that. A useful skill though. One day you might come back and say, <laughs> Orange, you know what? That saved my life. We thought it would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing, I hope we've got time for this. I'm sure we've got all the time in the world. Yeah. I don't know how long we've been doing this. But the sun is starting to go down. I've got this Quiz Whiz National Geographic Kids book here. And there's a page on oh, superheroes. Yeah. Again, Hellboy, not superhero, but I, I can't help thinking about yeah, superheroes yeah. when when we're doing this kind of topic. Ralph actually showed this to me and I he knew we were going to talk and he knows that we did the superhero comic book episode. Yeah. And he said, you should ask Matt some oh, superhero questions. Okay, yeah. But I don't want to put you on the spot <laughs> because I remember asking Gregor mm. some Pearl Jam questions on the Pearl Jam 20 episode. And he's a massive Pearl Jam fan, like he knows so much yeah. about them. And the questions I asked him, he got two of them wrong. Uh, and I didn't want him to get them wrong, yeah. genuinely. I don't mind getting them getting okay. them wrong. I don't, I, you know, I will say that I don't read as many comics now as I used to. So I may, you know, I may be um, a bit out of practice, but... Well, let's see. I'll make it easier for you. I'll give you okay. a choice. Okay. So would you like to answer a question about Captain America, the Avengers, the Iron Man, Spider-Man. Give me a Spider-Man. Spider Give me a Spider-Man one first. Spider-Man can shoot webs from his wrists. He uses these webs to do what? A. Swing from building to building. B. Snare people and vehicles. C. Blindfold criminals. Or D. All of the above. All of the above? Yeah. Yeah. That's very good. Mm, give, me a, give me another that, that one. Was, I'd say that was quite easy. It was quite easy, it yeah. It was quite easy. Because I remember reading that and thinking, yeah, he does A, yeah, he does B, yeah. and then you get to the bottom and it's like all of the above. Yeah. Perfect, I'll choose that one. Should we try, I don't know if you know Hawkeye? Will not, not, not as well. Um, Wolverine? Yeah, give me a Wolverine Wolverine. Question. What are Wolverine's claws made of? Adamantium. Ooh. So, so it's a skeleton. Must, it's not bone. His, they originally were bone. Ah. So, uh, yeah, so he, Wolverine is, in the comics, Wolverine's over like a hundred years old. He, uh, he has what they call a mutant healing factor, which slows down his aging. And um, as a comic came out, I guess it was the early 2000s, called Wolverine Origins, about uh, him as a child. And yeah, he had bone claws but then he was uh, he was experimented on by the uh, the Weapon X program, and he was given an adamantium skeleton and adamantium claws. Is adamantium bone, metal, plastic, or both A and B? So is it's, it both bone and metal? It's met, met, to the best of my knowledge. It's just metal. metal. Yeah. I think you're right. The answers are at the back of the book. Joe said to me before I went, you should copy the answers <laughs> next to there so you don't have to page through the book and here I'm paging through the book. We'll see if I can find it. Uh, spaced out, incredible adventures, human body. Joe was right, I should have done that. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, it must be metal, I guess, adamantium. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a metal to me. Yeah. Now that's everything I've brought today. That's all the surprises. Once again, it's been amazing. I love talking about comic books and anything really, things people love. Yeah. And you have done it justice. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> I uh, the first couple of times we talked, I definitely spent a long time thinking about it, um, and I, I'm not sure if I if I felt quite <laughs> quite as well prepared today. But um, but yeah, it was nice. It was nice to share, uh, you know, something something that I love. And you've got an original yeah. piece of artwork by him in your bag over yeah. there. That's, that's just incredible. 
love it so much. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. Okay, we go. I guess what we're going to do now is check what time it is and maybe have a stroll back down to our bikes and yeah, cycle home. It's starting to get quite cold, isn't it? Yeah. I brought my coat. Me too. Uh, maybe we can stay here till dark. I don't know. I said to Joe I'd be an hour and a half. I don't even know how long we've been. Right, I don't know. I said I'd be a, a couple of hours. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, good night. Thank you very much. Good night. Up the strong box. What's in your shed? What's in your shed? Pictures and treasures and the books that we read. What's in your shed? What's in your shed?